I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch. This second period, guns a-blazing. Evgeny Malkin has hit two posts, and now Brooks Orpik gets rewarded. First goal of the game. Olagoski, wrap it to the behind the net. Right back in front, here's a shot by the Penguins, and they have taken a 2-0 lead. Sigamatis pulls the trigger from 20 as the Penguins set it up beautifully from behind the net for the newcomer, Sigamatis. Oh, hallelujah, Hollywood. Did Ziggy let this baby fly or what? And he was put right on the table. Serve it up, baby. All right, folks. Welcome back to another episode of Ginger and Dutch here on the Ginger and Dutch podcast. Tons of sports going on. We've got everything happening. Hot topic right now. We're in the Stanley Cup Finals NHL. What do you think? We're uh, game three's coming up. Tied one one. Uh, I'm liking what uh, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I know there's some guys injured. We've got a great special guest coming on, Ginger. Friend of the show, let's leave it to no avail. We're going to go right to the interview with our friend, Ziggy, Mike Zigamanis. All right, listeners, uh, extremely excited to have aboard um, NHL, AHL star, 2001 World Junior bronze medalist, um, drafted twice to the NHL. Not many people can say that. Stanley Cup winner. We know him as Ziggy on the Fan 590, but a friend of the show, we know him as Mike Zigamanis. Mike, uh, you're on the line there? Uh, yeah, you forgot a uh, greatest face-off player in the NHL of all time as well. <laughs> so just if you want, next time I come on the show, make, make sure to wedge that into my intro. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, apologize, I apologize there, Ziggy. Next time I'll just I'll pencil that in there and all make right. sure we hit that up. Nice. So I mentioned in the little prelude there, but uh, there's not many people in this world that can say they've been drafted twice into the NHL. Um, and in all seriousness, uh, you know, 64th by Buffalo, 46th by Carolina. What was that like? Were you were you nervous um, when you when the first thing started with Buffalo and then you had to re-enter back in? Or were you just kind of confident in your abilities and knew that life would take you where it was going to take you and, and you would find your way back there again? Yeah, well, it definitely wasn't a normal situation. There was a couple of players, actually, the same thing happened that year when they were trying to sign with their first draft team, and Buffalo was my team, and we tr- we had a deal worked out. Unfortunately, we sent in two different contracts. Once it all got worked out, it was, it was too late. The NHL and NHLPA couldn't come to an agreement to let the three of us in. And we all entered the draft back in 01. Yeah, it was it was a long month because it's it's about three, four weeks from the date you have to sign by to when you re-enter. And wasn't sure, even if I was going to get drafted, never mind go higher. So I was lucky the Carolina Hurricanes stepped up and, and saw something in my game from my last year of junior and and gave me a chance, but was definitely a, a trying time at Training camp, going without a contract till the day before the AHL season started. Um, but Jim Rutherford uh, believed in me, and you know I owe him a lot for getting my career started. Well, I'd say 14, uh, 14 successful seasons, no matter which way you look at it, Mike. You know, starting in uh, Carolina, and you're up and down in the A. 
with Lowell and, and Carolina for those five years, I believe. And then, you know, and then all the trades started to come in and you, you shifted back and forth and you had a quick cup of coffee over in the Swedish league. Um, I, I want to just ask you, Penguins, 2008, 2009, know you're on the roster. Um, I, I don't believe you're active when the, the cup run was there, but I, I'm pretty sure you have a ring. And, and then talk, talk Toronto Maple Leafs. What, what was what was more of a highlight for you, being a North York kid, getting a ring, or, or playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Well, I love playing in Pittsburgh. Great city, great people. The guys on the team were amazing. Mary Lemieux and the organization, one of the best places to play in the league. So um, I enjoyed my time there, and I still try to go back once a summer and you know, whether it's playing golf with uh, some of my friends that I, I still keep in touch with or just going to a Pittsburgh Penguins game, I, I always try to get back there and still maintain my relationship there with a lot of the guys. It was or, special. Or, What's or that? Go, to a few, uh, go to a few bars on East Carson Street. Yeah. <laughs> East Carson <laughs> Street. Yeah, going to Mario's or the Comar. Yeah. What was the one place called? Diesel. <laughs> Diesel, yeah. yeah. I, I have not frequented there. Maybe, yeah. I have, maybe I haven't. When I go back, I definitely don't go to any of those places. <laughs> They're early nights for me now. But, yeah, that yeah. was that was fun back in my 20s. And it was, uh, yeah, East. What was it? The, what, what was it called? This East Side or whatever. South yeah. Side, pardon me. Anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, good memories there. But I, obviously playing in Toronto was a huge thrill for my family and friends and got to experience that and just being a Toronto kid dreaming of putting on the blue and white and it happening one day and even the three years I played with the Marlies it it wasn't the NHL but it was great being close to my parents and family and and something I was very grateful for as well that's awesome you do have a ring if I'm correct yes Yeah, yeah I got my name on the cup and ring I didn't play I had shoulder surgery halfway through the season but fought back uh, a lot of long days of rehab and just trying to keep my body in shape, but ended up getting cleared in the playoffs and obviously not getting in the lineup. That would have been probably the longest stretch from a player not playing in a, in a full game to, you know, just joining the team in the Stanley cup playoffs is a, is a tall order, but for sure. Yeah. I got back on the ice and was practicing with the guys and yeah, they're, they're, um, really good with that. Me and a couple other guys that didn't play in the playoffs got our name in the cup and got rings. So um, that was very generous and nice of Ray Shiro, who was the GM. And obviously I mentioned Mary Lemieux before, uh, maybe the best guy in the game. That's so sweet. Ginger, and you remember, I was there. I was at Game 7 when they hoisted the trophy up at the old show. Yes, you were. I was. <laughs> that was one of my top five sporting moments. So that's good. Good for you. So, so you, you know, you go through your story career, Ziggy, and, and you um... – you, you know, I look at some of the names there, um, you know, Recky and the Stahl brothers, Brindamore, Doug Waite, Malk and Crosby. Who was who was the one player that that you look back at or, you know, you think about and you just kind of go, wow, you know, that guy was really cool to be on the same ice as him or, or you know, this guy's got more skill than anybody that I've ever seen before. Do you, do you have that guy that you kind of think back and say, you know what, I was pretty privileged to be on the ice with with somebody like that? The first name that comes to me, obviously, is Sidney Crosby, watching the way he competes every night, the way he prepares and, and works in practice, everything about him. Yeah, he has that fourth-line worker mentality, but the first-line superstar skill, um, natural-born leader. It was a real thrill to play with him. Um, Evgeny Malkin was definitely 
another player that was incredible and he go flies under the radar a lot because he is playing behind Crosby. But when they look back at his career, what he's done, even when Crosby has been injured and not in the lineup, is is absolutely amazing and we'll appreciate that a lot more. Playing against players, Alexander McGillney, I played against my second NHL game, really was like an eye-opener on how good guys really were and might be the best player I was on the ice playing against. And that shocks a lot of people, but yeah, I'm telling you, he was one of the best to ever put skates on and play in the NHL. And I was happy I got to to play against him to see how good like guys like that actually are. You know, it's speaking of the guys that you just said and the talent. So I just want to fast forward to current right now. The awards were on last night. Did, did, did you do you give much thought to that when you were a player? Did you did you care who won the you know who won the heart and who won the Ted Lindsay, et cetera, et cetera? Did you did you care much when you were playing Ziggy? And do you care much now? I mean, I know it's a big talking point on the on the show for sure. Not really. When I played, we used to vote and have sheets given around the room. Um, I'm not even sure how many of those sheets I actually filled out. But yeah, not not when I played. No one really looks at that stuff. I know no, it's good. I, that's, yeah, I, that's kind of what I wanted to hear, right? So. Yeah, I know it's a big deal. And we talked about it this morning on the show. I had I had dry sidle as as my heart winner. I had Makar as my calder. Um I had a toss up for the Norse. Uh Yossi was had a great year. I just thought what Carlson did in Washington was pretty special, and Hedman is by far the best defender. I guess Yossi kind of puts both of them together and why it was selected. Um, but McKinnon is one of my favorite players, if not my favorite player in the league right now. And I brought up the fact that two of the voters actually didn't have McKinnon in their top five, which I found um, – I, I had a hard time believing that you would oh, keep, yeah. keep him out of your top five. I know there's a lot of great players, and you could probably pick eight or nine guys to win the heart, but leaving McKinnon off your top five, I'm not quite sure what the reasoning behind that was and was a little uh, puzzled. But, yeah, I, oh, yeah. I, I, I love watching all the, the award ceremonies now and who gets what. It's I find it interesting, but when I played, um, not really. I couldn't yeah. even tell you who won what, what year. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so switching, uh, switching off of your, you know, your hockey career and, and onto your, your next ventures. And, you know, you can see with the, with the foundation we'll get to later and a, and a little bit of coaching with UFT, we'll, we'll dive into that too. But um, how did you flip the switch to, uh, to such a prominent role to where you are now? Host, uh, co-host of the morning show with Scotty Mack on, on the Fan 590. Got thousands of listeners every morning. Hugh Burrell's on there with you. Um, you know, how did you land that? How did that come about? I started doing a Leafs pregame, I guess, just analysis on the fan with Jeff Blair at 10, 10 a.m. on game days. Yep. And from that, I started filling in when guys weren't available for Hockey Central, which is their main hockey show on the fan, and it broadcasts on the NHL Network in the U.S., radio and TV. So that was a, a lot of fun to do and maybe just another step up doing a full hour of the full uh, on the whole league and had a lot of fun doing that. And that just kept developing. And from there I filled in with Scotty Mack from the nine to 12 slot. 
And we kind of hit it off right away. And there's some chemistry there. I enjoyed going on with him. We did three weeks and I was asked if I wanted to do the morning show and um, kind of like laughed when I first heard about that, that, you know, you want to do a morning show. I'm like six to nine. I'm like, what time do you got to wake, wake up for the six to nine show? And it was a little earlier than I was. Uh, I actually thought you wake up. It's I was like, okay, maybe you wake up at five 30 and you get there at 10 two and you walk in, but that's definitely not it. It's uh, usually a 4am wake up call. If I sleep in maybe 4:30, and you got to kind of catch up on everything you missed from the night before. If you fell asleep during a game, sometimes the Leafs are on a West coast trip and they're not playing till 10 30 at night and not done till 1am. And then I got to wake up three hours later. So that's tough, yeah. but that's kind of how it all started was just from uh, going on the air with Jeff Blair. So I kind of owe it to him and, definitely welcomed me into the business and made me feel comfortable. And yeah, it's, it's been quite the journey so far. It's only been a couple of years, but enjoying the process so far and everyone I've worked with at Sportsnet and the fan. That's a, what a cool story. Um, yeah. Not your typical uh, hockey, uh, hockey schedule where it's uh, the night games and you could, you get your afternoon nap and a little old school pasta. Like <laughs> yeah. Do, right? Yeah. Nothing like that. I don't really, I don't really nap in the afternoons anymore, actually. <laughs> um, now you, you, you talked about the prep, like do you, do you actually do a, a ton of prep work or is it just exactly what you said? Catch up on the sports and you know, when it's ingrained in you 24 seven, I'm, I'm sure it's just comes natural, but do you, do you feel that you have to do a little bit more prep than kind of just watching games? Yeah, for sure. You got to keep up with what's going on, all the trends, all the break, latest breaking news. You got to know the main hot topics on every team in every sport. It's not just hockey. That's been a bit of a challenge and just trying to learn who all the coaches are, who are all the best players. And I know it sounds simple for a lot of sports fans, but it's sure. something new for me. And yeah. Definitely working on that. And yeah, there's prep and figuring out who the guests are, what their interests are, what, you know, you got well, how to highlight them and just getting to know them. And I'm picking that up a little bit now, but it was a little bit tough, right? We didn't have sports for the whole summer. So yeah, I kind of yeah. feel like I'm just getting started. I know next week's going to be uh, a year at the morning show, but, um, you know, there's been some bumps in the road, obviously, with the pandemic and, everything that's going on there and no sports, just the whole layoff while still trying to do a sports show was had its challenges. So I'm looking forward to now that uh, obviously it's a lot of sports and, you know, on a given night, that one Sunday, there was golf, hockey, basketball, baseball, football, soccer, um, you know, women's sports, tennis, got like there was so many sports on and trying to, you know, figure out what was happening on all of them. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really tough and really challenging, but it's still better than a summer of no sports. Right. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's kind of the story. That's what the story has been this last year. Awesome. So let, let's, uh, let's dive into to what you know best and, and that's hockey and, and uh, the bubble here. And we're, we're into the, the Stanley cup finals and, and obviously two uh, non-traditional hockey markets but two teams that got tons of firepower tons of talent who's taking this down Ziggy who, who do you got here um I like Tampa I've liked them from the start of the year I, I loved what they did at the trade deadline I loved how they got a little bit more grit in their lineup 
and change the makeup, right? It was a real skilled team, maybe the most skilled team a year ago, but it's something where I, th- I think they they recognized that. They took care of it, adjusted their game plan, and you know John Cooper and his staff has, have done an amazing job. They can kind of beat you in a number of different ways, speed and skill, or you know they can play tough and and play you hard. It's a it's kind of a big team, big back end. They very sound defensively. They got one of the best goaltenders in the league in Vasilevsky, and I'm not surprised to see where they are. And they're doing it without their captain, right? Let's let's not forget the Stamkos isn't in the lineup, and yep. you know Point had a big goal, but he's been not a hundred percent. That's just how deep they are, and how versatile and how much they've improved and learned from the year before when they you know, lost and forced straight to Columbus. That's yeah. Right. And, that, and that's exactly what I was going to say. The hockey has been, in our opinion, has been really good in the bubble and, and, and Tampa's looked awesome considering how banged up they, they, they are with the shortened se- season and the rebound in the bubble. Um, I had Tampa as well, all the way to the end. I picked them back in February. Are we going to see Stamkos or is this, if it's not happening, it's just hearsay. If they lose the next one, I have a hard time believing that we won't see him in 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 one of the games following. Um, you know, whether it's game even next game, even you know, game three, four, or five. I have a, I have a hard time believing that we're not going to see him in one of them. Yeah, it's a tough thing to come back from, right? His last game was in February. He had the core injury muscle repair and. That's tough. I've I've dealt with a torn abdominal. I've had multiple injuries, and I know how hard it is to come back, even if it's during the summertime. So, it's a ch- quite the uh, quite the list you had on the morning show this morning. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, like ab surgery, hip, hip surgery, two shoulders, bunch of broken bones, hand surgery. I've had face surgery on losing twelve teeth, and yeah, I've it's pretty typical. I think I'd be average if if you lined me up against most guys from their careers, but yeah, it's injuries are part of the game. And, you know, I think it'd be great for Stamkos to come back and it'd be a big boost for Tampa. I'm just, it's, I'm wondering where his head's at mentally on staying in it and not playing in a game. Uh, Cause that's extremely tough for a player to take that amount of time off. And then just to, you know, roll into the Stanley Cup Finals. But if anyone can do it, it's him. Yeah, no doubt about that. And and I kind of agree with you. I have to agree with you there that that it will be a hard time not seeing Stan He's gotta just just too competitive. Got him in there. So so Ziggy, you've got a couple more questions before you, we let you go here. And and I wanted to get to something that um, you know you've always been active with. You know, you were the Yannick the Pre Memorial Award winner in in throughout your career career, which is. Um, an award for time spent in the community and and you've continued that commitment to the community around you wherever you are living whether it be Lowell or wherever you are U.S. and Canada alike Um, tell us about the Baycrest Foundation uh, 360 Kids some of these uh, community things that you're doing how you're helping out Um, it's all over your Facebook and Instagram and Twitter Um, so tell us all about it. Yeah, I was lucky in my career to get involved with a lot of community events and it started back in Lowell and I was always involved in going to, whether it was children's hospitals, hospitals or food drives. So I started young and was exposed to that by the Carolina Hurricanes organization and try to continue it throughout my career, obviously playing with the Marlies in my hometown with some of the community leaders I got to introduce to and, and got to 
get involved with a lot of the hospitals and different community drives that we have throughout the city and working with the Leafs and the Marlies, it was definitely a, a great opportunity to give back. And from there, when my career stopped, I, I'd always wanted to pick up on that from, from some of the stuff I was doing and got hooked up with the Baycrest foundation. And they've been a, absolutely incredible and the amount of work they do the fundraising and just Baycrest hospital um, what they do for brain health and research and care is second to none so being you know partnering up with that organization that foundation has has been very fulfilling and I'm happy that I can help in in any way possible and I'm a committee member for one of their biggest events which is the Scotiabank Pro-Am where you can sign up a team and you get assigned a pro or two. And it's just a fun draft party, which happens usually on the Thursday. And then you play Friday and Saturday games and they have the biggest stars come out. Um, the draft party is absolutely incredible. I'm not sure what this is going to look like going forward because of the pandemic, but yeah. definitely uh, an awesome event that's been successful for a number of years. And um, hopefully I can help it grow. Oh, amazing stuff. Uh, good for you and for all you do. We, uh, every, I'm sure everyone appreciates that. Before we let you go, we uh, we always ask this question on the GND uh, podcast. Although I shouldn't say always. Last week uh, we had David Hearn on, so we couldn't ask him this question. But uh, how's your golf game? Since, it's since you know since we are two local golf pros that are trying to make a living uh, uh, running a golf course. Um, how's your golf game? Rumor has it you hit it pretty far. Yeah, I haven't played much. <laughs> I, I had a bit of a uh, an injury. I have a, my left arm, shoulder, and elbow have been causing me a lot of problems. Um, so I haven't I haven't played as much as I want. I usually have to ice my elbow down after I play and wrap it up if I do want to go out there. Um, there's usually a little bit of discomfort after, but getting therapy on it. My game's pretty good. I've had yeah. it down to a two handicap when I'm playing a Boy, lot. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't notice from my game right now. Um, <laughs> I haven't kept my handicap last two, two, three years. I guess it's around a six now. I'd get well, away with a six or seven, but. Um, maybe we won't invite you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it, I enjoy going out, but it's, it's a little tough when you, I, when you have an arm bothering you. Some days you don't really enjoy it, but um, sure. I try to get out there when I can. And, you know, yeah, we should get a game going. And, yeah, I, I, I love going out there, hacking it around. And it's uh, – I still, like, watch all the videos online. I got a little putting thing here. I got a little chipping nice. thing in my backyard I don't I don't use, obviously, because of the arm. <laughs> but I have it there with a little mat and a bucket of balls. Well, nice hopefully, hopefully the arm gets better and shoulder get better where I can – play a little bit more because i mean i was playing 60 65 rounds every summer for for a number of years but now i'm lucky if i get out even 20 times um but very fortunate to play a lot of great golf courses in toronto and and around north america yeah awesome well we'll have to uh we had uh one of your co-hosts on hugh uh hugh burrell came up and, and played our golf course so we'll have to uh arrange a foursome with you two and us two and yeah yeah that'd be great you can enjoy yeah that'd be great 
Well, Ziggy, we appreciate your time. We know you're a busy guy with all the stuff with the foundation, the show, uh, even some of your coaching with, uh, with UFT. So uh, thank you so much for coming on. It was an honor to, uh, to have you on the Ginger and Dutch podcast. Uh, we appreciate your time, and uh, thanks so much for coming on. Keep rocking the 590. Yeah, friend. thanks a lot, guys, for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure, and hopefully invite me back on. We can talk a little bit more golf next time. Dutch, what a great interview. Cool guy. Another great guest to have on. Down to earth, always willing to help us out and come on, a friend of the show, uh, Ziggy. Maybe we can get him to get us on the show one day on the fan. We'll go on the morning show and special guest for G&D. I think we know a bit more about maybe football than he does, but I'm just joking. It was a great interview. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they'd put us on the morning show with that many <laughs> listeners, Dutch, but uh, we might get the uh, 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. slot for yes. all those trucker and late-night factory workers <laughs> yeah. out there that are looking for a little sports yeah. uh, junkie. Good so. old Amy Lawrence on the ESPN, yeah. Yeah. No, but uh, it was nice of him to come on. Great guy. Um, and great to hear him expanding his knowledge, and always great to hear him on the Fan 590 with Scotty Mack and Hugh Burrell uh, doing their thing. Fun-loving show, similar to ours, so uh, great, and we do appreciate Mike uh, coming on and giving him his time. Listeners, we've got a jam-packed show after the break. we got a little NFL breakdown, NBA. we got the Blue Jays in the playoffs, hopefully. we got a golf U.S. Open breakdown with our picks. We'll catch you on the flip side. If you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. So welcome to Ginger and Dutch. You're listening to another episode of Excellence by Ginger and Dutch. All right, folks. Welcome back from break. Hope you enjoyed a little segment there from the Ginger and Dutch podcast. Dutch, let's get right into it here. We got a lot to talk about. We're going to kick it off here with none other than what everybody's caring about right now, and that is the Shield, the NFL. We got a little bit of a new segment that we're going to be introducing um, periodically every three, four weeks throughout the year, tracking our teams, tracking who's doing what and where and when and how. This is called Calamity and Commotion, and what it's all about, listeners, is... Who's impressed you? Who hasn't? Who's doing good? Who's doing bad? There's lots of that out there. Dutch, what are you thinking? I don't want to talk about it. I'm just so embarrassed with the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins' performance, 112 yards. I believe he was 11 for 26 with three interceptions. $30 million a season. I don't know what's going on. I'm sorry i got to start the conversation off with the Minnesota Vikings, but I'm learning that there's a lot of bad teams. Uh, one of the 0-2 teams that's not so bad, though, is the Houston Texans. They're, they're, they had a tough start and uh, going 0-2. They had two tough matchups. It's uh, it's interesting, you know. You've got your Buffalo Bills. Everybody's raving about Allen, and and he's on fire. Well, you know, slow down, everybody. You know what? They've only played Miami. They've only played the Jet, the the Jets. Uh, huge, huge game coming up at home against the Rams. I just couldn't believe how many injuries there were. I know, and don't give me this BS that there's no preseason and any of that stuff, Ginger. It just it was crazy to see how many major injuries. We know there's tons, but there were major injuries. Yeah, and, and you know there are tons of teams in that uh, that are you know have come out hot, and there's teams that we thought that might be a little bit better that have come out a little bit cold here. But um, 
I want to get into a couple teams that uh, that have surprised me, and one that we talked about specifically, and that was the Chicago Bears and Mitch Trubisky. Uh, what a great job by Matt Nagy. We talked about, hey, they're going to start start Trubisky, the kid, sit Foles on the bench, and we talked about that dynamic and that culture and what that can do, and hey, the kid stepped up to the plate. They're 2-0. and and off to a, a hot start here. We'll see if they can make it last and, and rekindle that magic uh, of the playoff run. Another team, you called it. I called you a hot take for it. Raiders. Nope, the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, we know that. The Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, out to a hot start and off to the races. Uh, so those were two teams that I had that were, uh, that were causing a little bit of a commotion here. And the calamity... Uh, has got to be the New York teams. Just an absolute disaster. They are a disaster. They are a disaster. But I do want to say the Vegas Raiders. I, I thought you were going that way. You know, cars looked amazing, and Gruden's got them. You know, they opened up their new stadium last night. I, I know New Orleans was missing one of their key targets, but New Orleans is a, was the perennial one of the perennial favorites in the NFC, and and the Raiders took them down last night, and I thought pretty easily. Yeah, you know what? It, it was. There was a couple moments in that game where uh, you kind of thought, okay, here's here comes the, the Oakland Raiders. You know, New Orleans jumps out to a quick 10-0 lead, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, it's not the Raiders, it's the old Raiders. And then which you o- said Oakland, which is funny. Because yeah, that's still, good. No, still yeah, I know, I know, I know you're still getting, on that. I, still getting used to it. the Vegas Raiders. Are actually, I know. They're, they're turning in to be good now. And, uh, and then, the, you know, they got that 24-17 lead. And the fumble happens. I believe it, it was Jacobs that fumbles the ball. And yep. you're like, oh, here you go. Dial it up. Here comes the Saints. They're going to drive down, tie the game, three and out, kick the field goal or score another touchdown for the cover, which we didn't get. Um, and it's the same old Raiders, Las Vegas or Oakland. But it didn't happen. They just continued to pound the rock with Jacobs and Richard. And actually, it was Richard who fumbled now that I remember it. Yeah. Um, and it was old school John Gruden football, and you know what? They've got some decent receivers. Hunter Runfrew is going to be—he's um, tw- the next Chris Hogan, twenty-four-seven. Uh, he can run all the routes. So, yeah. and with Jacobs and a good offensive line, and if the de- defense can hold, then maybe we might see a little bit of, uh, you know, some old school Raiders football just win, baby. That's it. Now let's go back to New York. <laughs> it's shambles. It's shambles over there. Do you think they're going to win combined? Combined six games this year. Um, I thought. I thought we, as we picked, we both had the Giants being a little bit better, and by a little bit better, I think we both had them at five wins. So it wasn't like they were, you know, even in the playoff hunt. But yeah. um, after watching these first two weeks, uh, it's shameful. I would. You gotta. I would have to think you would take the under right now. Some. I feel bad for Sam Darnold. The kid's got some talent, but he's just got maybe the worst NFL coach going right now in Gase. And um, the Giants are just losing players left, right, and center, kind of like the 49ers. And um, it's all about staying healthy right now, it seems like, in the in the NFL. Injuries, I disagree with you, Dutch. I disagree with you. I think you look at, and I know you're saying there, don't give me that preseason BS, but how could you not? You look at the preseason, and, and how many guys do we see, even at the end of training camp, there's two or three guys torn ACL. Then you go through two or three weeks of preseason, and there's another two or three, yep. four guys each week. Yep. Well, you add that all up over four or five weeks, and and I even said this in some of my my um, you know spread chats and fantasy football chats. That's twenty guys. 
Well, you know, you got away with it the first week. And, you know, these coaches kind of tried to lay off on some of the reps. Now they come out week two, your own one. It's a must win. And now you're going to start pushing those reps even higher. Yeah. Now the offensive players are getting 55, 65, or 85, 90% of the snaps. And not only are they getting the snaps, but their ACL just snapped. And now they're out for the year. So it'll be interesting to see when the numbers, you know, when they finally do the numbers on it and, and release it out to the public. But uh, I think that it, there's there's not that much difference when you add it up. It's just all happened in one week, which we're not used to because of the COVID-19. Right, because it's crazy that way. Now, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I, I, they were calling out for people to check the, the field in New York as well since San Fran's playing there again this week. So who knows? Maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong, but it just seems more and more every year, you know, the, they're not machines. They're just getting broken down on a, on a constant basis. And you can throw fantasy out the window for a bunch of these uh, these guys in, in all these pools. There is so much going on, and there's going to be a lot of backup play. Um, and it's nothing to do with COVID, like we talked about maybe a month yep. ago. So it's all injuries. But listen... How about your picks? Oh, you well, okay. What's before we go p- uh, picks? Penalties. You 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 seem to think penalties is that's an issue. Like, what are we? Tell me where we're going. With that. I don't think it's an issue at all. I'm loving the penalties thing, and what I love about it is that they're not calling them. They're letting these guys play football. And I've kind of looked into it on the uh, the back end of the NFL.com website, and you look at this from week one to week two. Okay, week one we're gonna look at it. And we had 200 penalties called to 309 the the previous year, 318 in 2018. Okay, so we're down 109, 110 penalties in just one week. Last week, even less penalties called, 179 total penalties called. So between the two weeks of football, we've had 379 total penalties called. Well, last year in week one, we had 309. So we're almost at as many penalties in two weeks of football as we were in one. So that's to me, that's incredible. And what I love is that the refs have made it a point that they're only calling the obvious. <coughs> the holding call on the left tackle on a run sweep to the right is no longer getting called. Which is great to see. Right? And that's what we want. These, these unacceptable calls that change the game or change the landscape of a game that are no longer being called... I think it's absolutely fantastic. I love how the refs are being open and honest about it. And it's allowing these guys to play football. And I love it. Keep up with the no penalties and let these guys just play football. Because you know, like I know, there could be a holding call or an illegal contact on every single play. Well, that's right. It would happen on every play. So No, that's good stuff. Good stuff. I'm, I'm glad you did that research on that. Because I actually thought you were going to go the other way. Because we talk about it on a year-in, year-out basis. So... Good for you uh, for taking the notes there and, and paying attention to what's going on. I actually think the football's been pretty good. I didn't get to see much on Sunday. I was tied up with a few things, but uh, I de- definitely watched the, the game last night and, and a couple others. So, um, Who do you think's the best quarterback right now, week three? And I know we talked about this in our in our top fives. Uh, the big guns are coming out, and, and Lamar Jackson's. I don't want to say he's making us both look, because we, 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 we definitely had him up there, but... Russell Wilson looks just like unstoppable right now. He's the man, and I know Mahomes is Mahomes, but there's some pretty good quarterback play, including your boy Josh Allen. Yeah, what I uh, 
what I'm – and I'm not going to toot our horn too much here, but I think we were bang on. And, and the way I looked at this was I looked at both of our top fives. We had the, the top three together. Yep. One guy from, from my list that has not – has kind of played his way out of that top five, if you were to say right now, is Drew Brees. Hasn't looked the same. No, Didn't look the same last night. He's looking old, man. Looked a little bit different. Uh, missed a couple big throws to Cook where he was wide open, cutting across the field. Or over the middle of the field. Yeah, the interception too was killer. But a couple guys to me that have played their way into that discussion would be a Jarrett Goff, a Kyler Murray, which you talked Goff about. Goff looks great, yeah. Right? Um, a Josh Allen. And hey, I hate to do it, but he's only played two games, but that Joe Burrow's looking pretty solid through two games. He's gonna be a he's gonna be a star. He's gonna be a star. They got something special there. Let's hope they don't mess it up like uh, the city of Ohio, or the state of Ohio usually typically does with their football, except for college. So let's hope they don't mess it up because he does look he looks the part. He not doesn't look the part. He is the part, and he's gonna be a star for sure. Well, Dutch, um, I don't want to bring this up because I've had a tough uh, tough start here, and I know you're eager to get to it. You I am keep, eager. I'm you, si- keep, you keep talking about it here, so I'm and I'm trying to delay it to some other conversation. Sizzling, but, sizzling. Uh, you're off to a five and one start, yep. and uh, you're hot. I've uh, limped in here with a one four one start. I've had a couple bad beats, Lions week one, but uh, but I'm not gonna gripe and moan about it. Um, Give us your picks. That's yeah. what the listeners want. I'll start off with you first here. Right on. I've got a couple good ones uh, this week. And, yes, I'm, I'm pretty happy to say 5-1. and one. I think it's a great start. Especially, it's a lot harder when you only pick three games. I know we for my pool, uh, I'll have you know, and you're you're in one of the spread pools. I did win the week. I was 12-4 and four this week. So, for your listeners and for people that are, you know, looking for, as we always throw in a little bit of gambling here and there. Uh, yeah, it was a good week for me. Here's my three picks. As we always do, we have the Monday night game. So I'm actually going to reverse. I'm going to start with the Monday night game. It's the marquee matchup of the season. It's early this year. First time in a long time. Patrick Mahomes on the road to Baltimore. And they are plus currently plus three and a half. I, I, there's need I say more? I'm taking Kansas City all day long plus three and a half. We'll see what you have in your pick. My other picks, my lock of the week. I cannot believe I'm actually saying this, but my lock of the week is the Jacksonville Jaguars against the Miami Dolphins on a short week Thursday. It's in Jacksonville. They're minus three. So I've got Jacksonville minus three over Miami. And I know you were going to do a bit of Ginger's Garbage, but we might not have time for it. But believe it or not, I'm going against the grain and they fell apart. A big debacle. I don't know if Dan Quinn's going to save his job this year. I think maybe this is the game. Atlanta, minus four to take down the Chicago Bears in Atlanta. They get back on track here. Those are my picks there, Ginge. Yeah, and uh, we're on the same page on this one. We didn't talk about this before the air, but uh, yeah, what a debacle that was. Dan Quinn, uh, everything's changed down there since they blew the 28-3 lead in Atlanta, and it just seems like they're cursed. Yeah, They bring in a defensive coach. Uh, to sure up the defense, they've got an unstoppable offense with Matt Ryan and, and the, the boys alike, but uh, just can't seem to do anything right. And I agree with you. I got that as my picks as well. Oh, cool. I think Dan uh, Dan Quinn's coaching for his job here. When the owner comes out on national television and tells the media that he doesn't know if the players knew the rule, you're coaching for your job. Um, yep. They he barely kept it alive last year. They needed a six and two finish to uh, for him to keep on his his job. 
And this is it. I think if Dan Quinn lays another dud here, uh, we could be uh, on a quick leash and we could be seeing the first axe on the NFL coaching front. So yep. I'm taking the Falcons as well, okay. minus the points. Um, I'm taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Nice. Minus six. They are going to absolutely... They've. I think they've found their groove. I think they're going to uh, be just fine. And I think they're going to roll this week. And they'll... Take home minus six spread. I don't think that's even in question. Um, I'm just not confident in what is happening on the other side in Denver. They uh, they're just too banged up. Way too many. Issues. Too many guys banged up. Lindsey gone. Sutton gone. Um, don't have a lot of confidence in Vic Fangio. Rookie quarterback Locke is questionable. You got Driscoll in there. Who knows what's happening? I I had the Broncos making a little bit of a late playoff run and a playoff push and being there, but with this many injuries, uh, no team can withstand this. Yep. And I just see Tom Brady and those Bucks rolling in and, and winning by a touchdown easily. Great. And just like you said, not much more to say other than uh, Patrick Mahomes and getting points <laughs> all day. Thank you very much. I'll take that. Um, I know it's only three, three and a half, wherever you're going to buy it, whenever you get it, but uh, I'll take that all day long. Well, I hope we go right. You won't be able to gain any ground on me because we have two of the same picks. But I'm just looking for wins right yeah, now. We're just, I just got to switch the momentum here. <laughs> Jump on the little bandwagon. Hopefully we can keep it hey, rolling. you got to stick up and though. You know, I'm, I am 17 and, and 14 or 15 in, in the uh, the big spread pool. Hey, we're, we're, both above, so, we're both so above I 500. Am, you got it, which is all that matters. And you want to be uh, you know at that 56% threshold by the end of the year if we're going to be in the, in the winning. So uh, I'm, we're, we're going to keep track and we're going to be telling our listeners all year long on where we stand so let's um let's flip real quickly we're gonna just rip through these let's flip real quickly to uh the nba it's it's coming down to the wire the lakers are coasting this is a this could even possibly be a sweep um and then and then boston you know they're down 2-1 but but they're roaring back listen i think these couple these extra couple days off here is is going to give them the fuel um so I'm, i'm sticking with my final predictions i'm locking it down it's lakers in four or five and Boston's going to have a hard-fought, hard-fought comeback. They're going to take Miami in seven, just like I said earlier. Uh, and then we'll have a Boston-Lakers final. Listen, listen here, Dutch. Don't you be getting carried away. This is Groundhog Day. I feel like I'm telling you the same thing again. We were here last week in your garage. I don't remember much of that last week. And you were telling me that there was no way that the Clippers were going to lose game seven. And what did I tell you? Yeah. What did I tell you? Don't you dare sleep on these Denver Nuggets. Sometimes in sports, destiny is destiny. And I'm not saying that that Denver's going to win this series because I agree with you. I I do have the Lakers here, but I don't have a sweep. I think Denver wins a game or two. um, But the Lakers, uh, they're just too too strong. And AD's got his confidence up winning that hitting that game winning shot was clutch and um i do have the lakers going through but not in a sweep and the boston miami one i'm i keep doubting miami it's just like my dallas stars in hockey um i just keep doubting miami you know you have to think boston would win with the three-headed monster and hayward back pitching in now but um i guess i, I learned my lesson i mean i'm gonna stick with uh, up to one and i think miami's gonna uh going to be able to take it down i think they're just too strong defensively and and have had too many uh you know emerging stars uh pitch in bam Adebayo, goran dragic and and the the boys alike so um hey 
that's who we're taking. It's and coming down. I mean, there's uh, it's hot and heavy. It's coming down with all these uh, these finals. And next week we'll be we'll be talking about probably who the Stanley Cup champ is, and and we'll be uh, we'll be talking about who's in the finals. So that's uh, right. Which uh, which brings us to our next uh, a sport where they're just getting close to the playoffs, and that's our Blue Jays. And oh, I don't know what's happened the last little while. I mean, they're still in a playoff spot. And we were talking with Ziggy off the air earlier. He was watching the game, and they're getting thumped again tonight. They're down seven one against the Yankees. Like, they're going to come, if they make the playoffs here, they're going to limping in here, limping in. I think they've got six games left, five after tonight's loss. They might not even make the playoffs. No, no. Come on now, Dutch. Come on. Give your head a shake now. They're going to make the playoffs. Trust me. They're going to make the playoffs. they got Baltimore in the last series of the year playing for absolutely nothing other than to string out. They'll win two out of three there. But it's exactly what we talked about, right? The pitching. They don't have anybody. They, they don't have any pitching. And when you start to play 40, 50, 60, 70, 162 games, it, it plays itself out. And you're seeing that the pitching is just not there. It's the bats are there off and on. They're not as hot as they were uh, you know, a week ago or two weeks ago. But Dutch, who cares? This is great experience for this team. It is. It is. Great That's experience the good for this That's team. That's the good news. To get into the uh, of, to playoff baseball, hey... Ziggy even talked about it on the morning show. You know, he was pushing for Roark as the as the game three starter in a, in a best of three. Um, hey, you know what though? With Walker and Ryu, if they can find their 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 groove for uh, for a game or two there, and you can steal one, yeah, you might be able to get through on a three game series. So either way, it's great experience. Great to see that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tanner Roark, four innings, seven hits, six runs. Uh, well, he hadn't hit his groove yet. Yeah, he's, he's a five, six inning pitcher. He, he, he is just come on. Yes, it's great experience. I do like the format. I, you know what? Uh, looks like if everything ended right now, they'd be playing Tampa. And normally, I'd say that's three and out, and they're done because the first series is a best two out of three. But you never know. You get Ryu in there for a hot game. He pitches amazing. They've played Tampa Bay well this year. You just never know if they surprise. But the experience, just alone of playing in the playoffs, um, pandemic or no pandemic, just as a complete whole it's going to be so valuable for these guys and then we need to start figuring out who how where are we gonna get to pitch for the blue jays in order to make this team like i talked about better than the the batista carnacion donaldson years because they've got the tools they just got to get some pitching yep for sure and and that's it and the big guns are uh the big guns are out so it'll i think the cream will rise to the top even in this um you know altered playoff format here in 2020 for baseball but I think it's great. It's finally great to see baseball open it up. Um, NFL's opened up another spot, and we all love it. We all love the Edmonton Oilers as the eight seed going to the Stanley Cup Finals, and the Carolina Hurricanes winning the Cup as a seven or eight that year. And you know, everybody loves that Cinderella story, and especially yeah. the you know the average fan that tunes in and they can attach onto a team like that yeah. and ride them through the playoffs. And that's how you create new fans and and make that magic happen. So yeah. um, good on the Blue Jays. Keep playing hard. Um, and see if we can get hot with some pitching and find an arm or two that can uh, make it work. And, yeah, and we and see and how we, we do. See two or three games or more in the playoffs. It would be cool. Uh, golf. Before we uh, we end this off, um, your your headline on our on our on our notes here for the U.S. Open was the game we once knew, and I think we're living it right now. We talked about this eight weeks ago with uh, Bryson DeChambeau, and and I, I got one word. Wow. He single-handedly just absolutely demolished the field, 
played a U.S. Open like nobody else has ever played a U.S. Open. I don't care, and I know there's tons of history with the U.S. Open, but but playing at a story golf course like Wingfoot, they were even watering the rough, the four or five inch rough. They were watering it on Sunday morning before these these guys teed off because they were trying to figure out how the hell to slow these guys down. You can't. You can't anymore. So so it goes back to what I said to you way back. Start finding some new golf courses where it's going to be challenging. Make these golf courses a bit tougher or, or, or different so it's not the same old. Don't get me wrong. I don't think I would have broke 90 at Wingfoot. Okay? No. Those greens were f- unbelievable. Ridiculous. But talk to me about it. What's your thoughts on it? Because 23 fairways? Yeah, and, and I think I think my thoughts are that it did it did show out. It just didn't show out to me with one guy. You You looked at... You know, Patrick Reed was the the first guy, right? Yeah. You know, he, he holds, uh, he's up there for thirty six holes, and then what happens to the back nine on Saturday? He shoots forty three yeah. because he's not hitting the fairways, and he can't yeah. make that magic yeah. happen. Yeah. Matt right. Wolf, the same guy. Oh, I hit two fairways or three fairways on Saturday and shoot sixty six or sixty five, make the run up the leaderboard on moving day, and you go into Sunday with the lead, and the same thing happens. You're not hitting the fairways, and you and you shoot seventy four or seventy five in the final day. Yeah. I think Bryson just found a way to make it work for this golf tournament, and and you look at that board, and and you know you even look at at my picks that that I made, and you know Corey Connors had a, a tough last three holes and, and missed the cut, but you know I I pick guys that traditionally are going to hit the fairway, and what happened with those guys? A T eight and a T thirteen. I got a couple nice compliments on. Hey, where did you find Lee Westwood? Yeah. Well, Lee Westwood strikes the ball well, and it sets up perfect for a U.S. Open. Yeah, we had And he was picks. right up there. You know, you look at if he if he learns how to play those last three holes. He was plus eight for the week on those last three holes. He learns how to play those, and he's right up there. You had a, a the Schaff. Yep. Right? The yep. Schaff was fifth uh, outright. He Webby struggled. He struggled on those last four or five holes uh, all tournament long, or else he would have been right there. Yep. So I think I think Bryson's just. I think his his confidence and his mental game right now is it's kind of like Tiger. It, he's just hands above everybody right now, and I don't I don't think you're going to be able to find a golf course that that you can Bryson prove or or Matt Wolf prove yeah, for any right. of, any of these guys. I think you we just just like David Hearn said a couple weeks ago, and just like you said a couple minutes ago, is um, I think the game's changing, and I think. The guys that hit it 290 and down the middle and drive the ball well are still going to be able to compete. And if their putter gets really, really hot, they can win. But overall, I think this is the way the game is. I think this is the way we're teaching the game yeah. now. Yeah. Um, you see it all the time with new young athletes coming in. Yeah. And uh, we just got to get used to it. And that's why I said it's the game we once knew because it's changed. Yeah. And well, you know what? We've got some mediocre, um, I don't want to say mediocre, but we've got some. Not some big events coming up here for the next uh, five or six weeks, uh, which leading up to the Masters. And and I, I don't know if you heard DeChambeau's press conference afterwards, but he said he's going to do everything he can to try and bulk up. He wants to bulk up to 245 pounds for the Masters because he said, I'm just going to do the same thing. I'm just going to overpower it and I'm just going to smash it. Um, we haven't seen anybody really do that at, at, at the Masters hitting it that far and and winning i mean obviously tiger when when he won by whatever shots he did there he was overpowering the golf course but they since made it longer and nobody's really um stepped bubba maybe okay yeah bubba when he won um but i'm very curious to see if if bryson's going to be in the right frame to see if if he can just go out there and destroy you know the famed augusta 
Yeah, that, it's it's a great uh, great thought and a great discussion to get going because we're uh, you know only a couple mi- couple months away, and that's the in the next kind of pearl of on the schedule that we're going to look forward to from yeah. a golf perspective, um, with the Ryder Cup being canceled here in in uh, twenty twenty. But um, the thing about Augusta that makes me question is is he Kenny to do it? Is is that it's a shot maker's golf course? You got to be able to work the ball. You know, they always talk about working the ball off the tee left and right and hitting draws and fades, but you got to be work, be able to work the ball into the greens there. you got to be able to draw it and fade it. And yeah, but Wingfoot was like that. But if you're coming in, yeah, yes and no, but if you're coming in from the pine straw, or you're coming in from or pitching out from the trees, it's a lot harder to sure. to go shoot 12 under par if you're hitting it in the in the trees four or five times. I agree, I agree. You know, he's yeah. going to take advantage of those par fives, and I think that's the crucial point for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, for him it might be, a, like they always used to say about Tiger, yeah. you know, Augusta was a par 68 yeah. because you knew he was going to birdie all four par fives. Yeah. Um, and you have to get that feeling right now for DJ and Wolf and Bryson and all these guys. Um, it's just a matter of can they get their iron game sharp enough to yeah. access some of these tough pin locations that we see on Saturday and Sunday at Augusta. Yeah. So listen, before we end it, uh, you know, let's let's make some picks for this week, uh, and then we'll kind of take a break since, and maybe we'll wait until the 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 Masters. But I, I did want to make some picks this week because we got some Canadians in the field, and I do have a, a you know what I have a, a Canadian in my in my picks this week, and they're playing over in uh, in Punta Canta. They're yep. playing Corrales, where our our superintendents have played there um, uh, multiple times, and they they say it's just a phenomenal oceanside golf course. Um, so. I wanted to make the picks for it, so I'm, I'm just excited to see uh, how how the Canadians can go. Do you want to start with your picks? I got three. You got three. Sure. Yeah, and as we always do, I'll start from the bottom when we hear. And I'm going to start with a little sleeper here. Back to back top tens here at this golf tournament. Not a name we hear a lot of on the PGA Tour, but I'm going with Kelly Craft. Oh, nice. Kelly Craft coming up as my sleeper pick this week. My rock steady pick. Back to back years here. Uh, top twenty. Top twenty fives. Um, so we may not win on this tournament, uh, listeners, but put, put him in there for a top 10, and that's uh, Peter Uline. Taking Peter Uline as my one of my picks. And as my uh, my lock of the week, if you say, or my big gun, um, last few weeks I've had a Canadian in there. Corey Connors let me down a little bit with a tough finish at the U.S. Open, but he was solid for a while. But um, I'm going Mac Hughes, feast or famine, uh, up there this week. I think he was t- uh, second outright last year at this golf tournament. And um, he's playing good golf right now. And when Mac Hughes plays good golf, he usually plays it for uh, a few weeks in a row. And I'm taking uh, Mackenzie Hughes. Stole my thunder on that one. I I knew you were going to take a Canadian, but you stole my thunder on that one. Good old Dundas Valley native. Right, we played that golf course. Oh, yep, we did. Yeah, he's a home, uh, home local boy from uh, Dundas, and it, he was uh, uh, he was definitely second last year. I'm going to go with a good old faithful. Uh, this guy's been a mainstay in the tour for a long time. Hasn't won for a while. Uh, Charles Howell the third. Oh, your boy Chucky. 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 Yep. Five foot eight. Uh, you know, hundred and twenty, soaking wet. But I'm. I, I think he's gonna have a good run. Yep. He, I like that pick. Um, and then guys that you just, you know, not not big names. Uh, kind of where you went. I, I've got Sam Burns. He's yep. just he's just been Great playing pick. some real solid golf right now. Yep. He's been playing really solid. And then you know what? I was gonna take Mac Hughes, but I'm scrambling right now. Um, and I'm gonna go with the name who actually actually think this guy might. You know, he's got a chance to win, and that's Adam Long. He's been playing some solid golf as well. And I believe that you're gonna see a a, a weird name there. 
David Hearn's in the field as well, so we cannot forget David Hearn. We've got to get the pom-poms out for him again one more yep. time. Um, it should be exciting. I'm not going to put a lot of money down on this uh, on this uh, Punta Cana. They might be uh, having some margaritas and some having some drinks and enjoying a little bit of uh, downtime. So. Yeah, what does the country song say? One margarita, yep. two margarita. <laughs> Three margarita shots. There yes. we go. Yeah. All right. Well, Dutch... As we always do on the Ginger Nudge podcast, end us off with some closing thoughts. Another great interview. Uh, look forward to some more special guests. We've got a hopefully a real cool surprise coming up in the next couple weeks. It was a pleasure, Ginger. Folks, I could not go a whole podcast without throwing this in. We just released our weekly challenge. 2-0 against Dutch in the golf competition. I'm yeah, back to yeah, a tie. 2-2-2. Yeah, yeah. two, two and two. Our next challenge will break the tiebreaker in the best of seven. So uh, stay tuned for our weekly challenge. Sounds Follow like a, us. Sounds like a putt-off. Oh, it could be a putt-off. There we go. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Real easy. At Ginger and Dutch 1, the number one. That's all the news up to date with G&D. And signing off, enjoy the Ginger and Dutch podcast. I'm Ginger, and I'm Dutch.